podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Celtic state of mind and much like some of the earlier parts of the seasons with Celtic's centre-half partnership we've got a brand new partnership again it's Jerry Taylor and Alan Morrison it's always an absolute pleasure to see the pair is on the stream no doubt we will be talking to Jerry about his pre-match nerves uh, leading up to the Celtic select game on Sunday I can see his jersey hanging up behind him there. Uh, loads to talk about, loads to talk about. But we're going to focus, seeing as we are on international duty or we are on an international break, on the 13 players who are uh, representing their countries over the next few days. Some of them have already done so, of course. Um, Alan and I will revisit some questions that we asked about three months ago, Alan, about the changes between Ange and Brendan, and we'll see how those have developed. And Jerry will be given a platform to um, basically go back at St. Rocks, who have been giving him it tight on the social media channels for the last month or so, Jerry. And I know that you're looking forward to that. But before we do all that, I'm going to have to ask a question. Um, obviously, you have shown your new um, arm art on your social media pages, Jerry. And I'm just wondering, is that a good idea three days before a game of football? Paul John Dykes, it was a terrible idea before I gave a football. <laughs> However, I couldn't get it rebooked. It's been booked for ages. It's a tattoo that I've been waiting a long, long time to get. So I've got precautions now. I know what I'm doing. It's, it's healing really nicely. And I'm hoping with the team that you have put together, I'm not going to have to dive about much by the looks of things. Is it going to be a cigar leaning against the... Yeah, I hope so, leaning against the post. Um, sorry, is it, sorry, Jerry, is that... Is that- is that pen that you've got? Is that you kind of filling in the gaps as well? The sharpie, yeah, because the sharpie. It's only been it's only halfway round just now, so I'm getting another bit there. But I, that's what the sharpie's for. Taking notes. Um, I, I announced this morning that I thought the transfer window had slammed shut yesterday with uh, Tosh McKinley joining the fold. I announced this morning, Alan, a player that uh, both you and I will remember well, Pat McGinley. And Pat McGinley, okay. um, yes, Pat, I'm a wee blast from the past. <laughs> Absolutely. No 93. Offense, Pat, it just, yeah. Well, it was a period, wasn't it? There was a lot of It was a bad times. time. It was a bad time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and when you look back to that 93-94 season, um, he was our top goal scorer from midfield. 12 goals was the tally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, it was dark, dark times. But I felt a bit sorry for Pat because I think when we signed him, he was one of those players, Alan, who in Scottish football terms, you, you know, one of the best players outside the Celtic and Rangers, scoring goals from the midfield for Hibs. But Tommy Burns didn't fancy him, did he, when he came in and he used him um, to raise some of the cash for the Phil O'Donnell deal? Mm. Yeah, it, it, it was a dark time. I, mean, I think I remember it as being the first time I could remember in my life a, a, no Celtic striker had scored 10 goals. Now I'm sure somebody will correct me because maybe somebody got 10 that season or whatever, but... The fact that yeah, McGinley was from midfield was was the top scorer with a measly twelve says a lot actually about you know 
the way the team was. And, uh, you know, it's difficult for a young player coming in to make an impression when the team's in that state, really. So, yeah, dark, dark days indeed. They were. And we're much happier and it's much brighter. And apparently, Jerry, on Sunday, the uh, weather forecast is that it will be uh, a sunny day. So I'm delighted for you. I'm delighted for everybody that's going to be involved. Happens better when it's raining. I like a bit of rain. I have to say, I do. I like a bit of rain. Yeah, sleeves up, slide tackles, all that kind of jazz. Um, Yes, 13 Celts on international duty. As we speak, Canada and Japan are playing over in Japan. Alistair Johnson started that game. Hatati and Kyogo started on the bench, but I'm pretty sure they will make an appearance. Patrick Harold, last I heard Japan were winning 1-0 at halftime. Anyone give us an update? Let us know. Jungle Lion thinks that international football is a nuisance. And a lot of people agree with that, actually. Um, I think that w- you must be scraping the barrel for taglines PGD. That's what an international break does to you, Paddy. Uh, mm. That is what it does to you. So we are going to focus on 13 players, but it allows us to tap into how they're performing this season for <coughs> Brennan Rogers. And I don't know what your thoughts are on international football, Alan. Did you tune into the Scotland game against Spain, the 2-0 defeat? Did I mean you know I'm uh, I've always you know in fact I think probably the first football I ever watched as a wee boy was international football given what was on telly yeah. at the time and in fact I think I th- I'm pretty sure I found Kenny Dalglish through Scotland and then found out he played for Celtic and that's that's kind of so so you know, I've always always followed the Scotland team um, yeah international footballs it's tricky because I was you know, we were in the pub with my son last night and was saying like you know it's it's. It's essentially it's defensive football because you know coaches generally have only got a short period of time with players, and it's it's ten times easier to organise a defence than it is to organise um, you know attacking sort of shapes and formations. So international football tends to be a little bit sort of stale in that regard. Obviously, it's not as cohesive because obviously the teams can't you know pick pick and choose who they who they have in the, in the side sort of thing. But all that being said. Yeah, I still, I still don't have a problem with it, really. In fact, I think, you know, I think the, the Nations League thing, which essentially has removed 90% of friendlies and made games competitive, I think was a, was a, was a good step. So I'm not going to be too cynical about it. It's interesting you're talking there about uh, being introduced through the TV coverage because it was for a long time. Cup finals and international games were live. We didn't have this deluge of the Romanian third division live on the telly, but you can watch just about anything now. Um, I've just been informed, actually, that Japan are winning 3-0 and also that uh, Alistair Johnson just made a horrible mistake <laughs> leading to Japan's third goal. Half-time, 3-0 Japan. Uh, hopefully, Rio and Kyogo will come on in the second half and will come through that game unscathed because that is an international friendly double denim. Happy Friday, Axom. And fellow Hoops fans, hope you are geared up for the weekend, Jerry is, and everyone has a good one. Mon the Axom for Sunday. So, Jerry. Let's be honest, right? You have been bamming up St. Rocks along with your pals, Lisa and Wee Wido. You've been bamming them up and uh, they have been coming back at you quite a bit, haven't they? Aye. Do you know what? See, we started off with a bit of friendly banter. That's absolute war now. See the message I woke up to? What was it this morning? Uh, what did it say? Basically said, uh, Scott Scott Fox, goalkeeper, Jerry Taylor, goal, goal counter. Right now, I'm waking up to this, so I'll tell you something, St. Rocks. It started off as friendly, but I am working my butt off and I'm going to make sure I have the game of my life. And if I don't, this game, I'm coming back at your next centenary, and I'll do it then. 
Well, yes, uh, we're three years over uh, because of the planning and the pandemic and everything else. But the centenary, that what you've mentioned there, I remember, and I've said it yesterday, going back to Celtic centenary, and that comment, they'll remember, us in, they'll remember us in 100 years. Tommy was talking to Frank McAvenny. They'll remember us in 100 Jeez. years, he said. You've got, the centenary top there, You've got right? it right there. Yeah. That's still my favourite top. Still my favourite top. And I mean, that was 35 years ago. And I remember hearing that, thinking to myself, what age will I need to be for the next centenary? It was like 108 or something like that. Um, by the way, it might happen. But yes, it is such an occasion that needs to be uh, celebrated. And I'm going to go to that game. We're going to start with Scotland and the two Celts who are in that Scottish international squad. Um, Jerry, generally speaking, and for a long period of time, we had a good four, five, sometimes half a dozen players in the Scotland squad. That's not happening at the moment. Uh, Greg Taylor and Callum McGregor, the only two representing Celtic in that squad. Um, you know, guys like Ryan Christie, Stuart Armstrong, etc. You know, there's a there's a, a core of players who were in there who left the club. Then you've got guys like Ralston, David Turnbull, who have dropped out the squad because they're not playing games, obviously. Um, but last night, Danielle comes in. First thing she mentions, you've got to mention it. Looks like European refs are just as bad as the Scottish. That goal was incredible last night. It's never a foul or offside like they are trying to claim. I did feel sorry for McTominay because it was one of the goals that could have been a classic goal, Jerry. Mm -hmm. Mate, I'm telling you something, right? A couple of things on that match. VAR is, is killing me. I've had to go through that Louis Palmer one with Lazio and then that Scotland one and it's I'm, I don't know if I'm just doing it because VAR's not going my way on games just now, but it's I think it's just sucking the life out of football. I was all up for it until it, it's, it's as if it's become worse. It's given referees even more time to come up with an excuse or to make them still the centre of attention. I do not like it. I said on Twitter last night, sorry if this offends anyone, this ref's a banger. He just wanted to be... Who's the heck going to offend? Just fellow bangers. <laughs> oh, anything, mate. You can put up, I, I love oxygen on Twitter and somebody will be like, oh. Someone will disagree. People on the moon. I know. Uh, <laughs> you'll upset somebody. <laughs> well, 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 nobody think of the moon, the poor moon. I know. I, I, you will upset exactly, someone. Exactly. So it's actually doing my nut in for, as a goalkeeper, you always stick up for them. Nah. Come on, the goal you could have blown him over by a feather with that one. Uh, also on the game, it's looking at all these amazing young Scottish players coming through that are proving it on the big scene. Why are they, why aren't they playing with Celtic? Why did they go through other routes? Why didn't we pick up these young Scottish players? We keep harking back to this. It's we're not giving enough Scottish players a chance. Um I know Liam Scales isn't Scottish, but he's a young kind of one that we're developing and him getting a chance. I just wish we had some of those players. Honestly, I'd love McTominay and our team. Remember when McTominay was on that um, ill-fated list that was uh, found in a bin up at Lerickstown, <laughs> photographed, oh and then it went viral. McTominay was on shiver. that. I know. <laughs> That was there was horrible. a few others. There was a few others on that, but um, obviously the, one of the players I think you, you might have been uh, looking at was Hickey. It's it's a player that we spoke about even when he was yeah. leaving Hearts, and I just don't think Celtic were prepared to pay the wages at that time. I go back though, Alan. I go back to a conversation I had, um, and, and I've had it with a few footballers about uh, wouldn't it have been great if we signed this guy, or wouldn't it have been great if we kept that one. But some of these guys need to leave Scotland to develop into the players they become. And I think, you know, the, the Scots who have gone over to Italy, for example, I was always a, a great fan 
um, of Lewis Ferguson. And I said it on Axom, I, I would have quite happily signed Lewis Ferguson. But uh, some of the Axom contributors completely disagreed with that. He's gone away to Bologna and he's played really well. Aaron Hickey, Celtic did try to sign him from Hearts. He obviously started off at Celtic. Um, but I think they need sometimes that period elsewhere to progress into and fulfil the potential that they're now shown. What's your take on that, Alan? Yeah, it's, it's, listen, I mean, as we all know, the balance in football due to money is continually shifting. It's continually shifting to the richer leagues. Um, so in principle, yes, I agree. And I think the recent examples, and you, you mentioned Lewis Ferguson, and I was one of those contributors who never really rated him, mainly because he just looked very one-paced and possibly because he was in quite an average Aberdeen team, maybe he didn't shine, but he's proven me wrong and, and, and I'm really happy about that because uh, he's, he's done for I love to see young Scottish players go to Syria and do well. That's brilliant. I don't know how you, uh, young Doig is doing, whether he's having similar success, Liam Henderson, etc. Um, these are all great stories and, uh, you know, want to see more of that. The other side of it, I think, is that there's a lot of young Scottish players that go to English clubs far too early uh, simply because of the money. I mean, you know, uh, an average English championship team can pay you three, four grand a week, um, you know, which is obviously a lot more than even even an Aberdeen or a Hearts for a, mm-hmm. a young a young kid, and so I think a lot of a lot of players uh, do leave do leave too early, and, and a lot of young talent gets pilfered too early. And you know the other the other the other aspect of the dynamic to this uh, is which I keep coming back to is that you know we just don't have the structure in Scotland to develop young talent. You know it's it's a structural issue. We don't have a pathway from under eighteen uh, football. To first team football, there isn't there isn't that pathway. I mean, the, the the Lowland League is great fun, you know, and it gets a bit of um, you know, coverage and so forth. But it's never, it's the fifth tier of Scottish football, and you know, Scottish football's already got too many tiers for the size of the country that it is. It already sustains far too many, uh, so you know, semi-professional clubs that than than a country of our size really should healthily uh, support. So, um, you know, being in the fifth tier is no great shake. So I think that that that's a structural issue which Celtic is beyond. Celtic's ability to directly kind of influence. I think they've tried to do things like, you know, looking at playing the loan system, mm. the recent hookup with Austria, uh, is it Austria Wacker, Vienna, whatever they're called, um, where a couple of lads have gone out there. That's a that's an interesting thing. But it's really is, it's kind of, it's kind of playing around the edges of it. It's not addressing the fundamental issue to Jerry's point of, you know, unless you don't have a proper gateway, a pathway, sorry, from youth football into first team football, then you're going to lose, you're going to lose, get a hemorrhage talent all the way along that that journey, which, as I say, it doesn't really exist. He's going to lose a lot of kids, unfortunately. You definitely are. And, and as far as I know, Doig is doing pretty well, and there's been a lot of interest in Italy uh, to take him away as well. Um, Liam good, Henderson, good. I think, deserves loads of credit because, you know, he was almost like a trailblazer. Um, you know, he was one of the first guys for a long time to go over, uh, and he's done really, really well. And, you know, I, I rated him at Celtic, but I think he's made the right decision. I think David Turnbull might even fall into that category at some point um, as well. Alan Robertson, Pat McGinley for a hat-trick versus at Rocks. At least he'll not be scoring them against you, Jerry. Jerry, you... you <laughs> you basically wanted to go to penalties so that you can really show everybody your what your proper talent is, which is stopping penalty kicks. Uh, mate, it's it's every goalie's dream. It's a, it's a no lose, isn't it? The only way you can lose if you're doing a penalty shoot is if it goes under your body slowly. You know that way. It's the only way you can get kind of pulled up as a goalkeeper in penalties. However, 
Do you know something? I genuinely think I've been under, underestimated by some of them online. I mean, I'm not a world-class goalkeeper by any means, but I'm all right, so I'll do well. And the more they're annoying me, the better I'll play. That's that's what I do. That's, that, that's how I work. But what what an occasion. But I can't sleep, and, I, and I'm being serious. I cannot sleep. And, and I want to take... Can I take the time to say this as well? Because there's a lot of people on Twitter. There's so much support, but a lot of people have said... And in a good way, they've all said, oh, you're so lucky. And I want everyone to know that's watching Axon right now, it's, it is not lost on me just how lucky I am to what's happening on Sunday, to be sat amongst that company, to be playing a game in that company, to be playing in such a great stadium where such a historical club. It isn't lost on me, and I'm there representing every single one of you that's watching, and I mean that. I'm going there as a fanboy. I'm going to go there. I'm going to speak to as many players as I can to get as many stories that I can tell on this podcast for the Celtic fans. So I promise you, it's not lost on me. I'm going to savour every single second. And I mean that every yep. second. So uh, quite right, you're, you're representing Axom. Um, yeah. We've got a couple of uh, other Celtic fans who are representing the fan base. We've got a few celebrities, but I'll tell you what, they're taking it dead seriously. James Allen uh, played senior for years. Saul Davis has been over in Portugal pounding um, <laughs> pounding it, pounding it for the last few weeks because he really wants to make an impression. And Big Bems just says to me, look, Paul, I'm not great at football, but I cannot wait, which is great. I love oh, that. I, I love I that me and Big Bems are going to put down some beats together. I'll tell you, we'll record a wee act something. I would like to see that. I, I would love to see that. Right. In fact. Yes. Nice you, you've said it. I'm going to do it. I called him an Ayrshire boy on Twitter because he used to live in Ayrshire, but I don't know if he's actually from Ayrshire. I don't know if he even remembers me. I used to say hello to him in the tune or the thing, but I can't wait. He's a great big guy and uh, oh, it's going to be fun. It is going to be very competitive, let's put it that way. Uh, you and boy Martin is rubbing it in now. Hail, hail troops, enjoying a beer in the sun, watching the show. I love hearing where you watch Axom. It's, it continues to blow me away. Good day to all Axom addicts, says the Urban <laughs> Culture. Uh, pinball, to be fair. Phil, that's Phil O'Donnell, was twice the player Pat was. Phil O'Donnell was one of the best yeah. players in Scotland at the time, a young guy coming through, career hampered by Andre, unfortunately, but I do remember him signing and playing in a midfield that consisted of Paul McStay and John Collins as well, which is just absolutely stunning. Danny Boy, these international games during our season are more than a distraction. They're now coming at a time when new players are just getting used to their new club's regimes. We're going to see if there are any benefits or advantages um, to the international break. I mentioned Greg Taylor. He's in the Scotland squad. He didn't get any minutes against Spain. Callum McGregor did. And I'm going to ask you, Alan, um, I think, or it appeared that Callum McGregor didn't start off this season too well, um, but I would say that he seems to have got back to his usual standards, which is we barely talk about him after the game because he's doing that thing and he's doing it really effectively. Would that be would that be fair to say that? Yeah, ish. I mean, I, I just was, before we came on, I just had a wee look at, so, you know, we're only eight games in. I tend not to take the stats too seriously unless there's about 900 minutes logged against each player. So we're a bit, we're a bit below that. So easy to jump to conclusions and easy for one game to kind of skew things. But he's a bit down on last season. But I've, I've been talking about this for a couple of seasons now. It's not a topic people want to listen to. It's not a topic that makes me popular, but you know the reality is that you know Callum McGregor is is reaching that sort of age decline uh, part of his career. He's played a lot of football. He's now getting into his thirties. 
you know, shout at me if you want. I can't, I can't do anything about it. It just is what it is. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, when when he was awarded that big long contract at the beginning of the season, I reconciled that in my mind that that was the right thing to do on the basis not that we were signing a player that was improving. Far from it. I mean, and I think at the beginning of the season we could see he's just lost that half a yard of pace uh, compared to you know when he was younger, which is natural, right? It's natural. And that impacts on a lot of things. It impacts on agility and on speed mainly. And that, therefore, as a defensive midfielder, that's on things like anticipation, getting to the ball, getting to the breakdown, being able to run away from players in central midfield. All these things um, he's probably less uh, potent at than, than he was. However, uh, the way I would frame it as far as him and his long contract would be if you if you were to go out into the market and buy Callum McGregor, the player that he is today, it would cost you an absolute fortune. And therefore, it makes sense to time for a long deal. So even though he is on a decline curve, sadly, um, he's still worth having, obviously, for you know for what he makes. He's, he's almost irreplaceable, or certainly within Celtic's uh, budget. So that, that's how I'd kind of, I guess I would frame it. It's good that we've got him. He's, he's clearly fundamental as a sort of tempo setter in the middle of the park there to what we do. And I think, one of the features of play this season is the extent to which Matt O'Reilly is dropping back to form that sort of double pivot more on occasions. And Matt O'Reilly's one of his greatest strengths is his defensive play. And I think that mm. compensates a little bit for McGregor's slightly, slightly slowing up. Uh, and, and I've just checked his defensive metrics and they are, they are down on last season, which is not surprising me. Um, but I think that's mitigated, as I say, a little bit by the role that O'Reilly's playing, which is really a genuine all-round midfielder. Yeah, absolute action-packed performances by Matt. And, I, you know, it gets to that point sometimes where the experience and what he does bring to the, the game, I think, Jerry, um, you know, you, you're going to lose that wee bit of pace. Of course you are. And it's great to have younger uh, players around about you to maybe pick up the slack a wee bit. I was just looking there at uh, some of Callum McGregor's stats in terms of the games that he's played. So um, we all know he's played over 400 games for Celtic, 430 it is now. 41 appearances for Notts County before that. So 471 games, which is, at his age, very impressive indeed. And you can throw on top of that 53 internationals as well. Yeah. So, I mean, over 500 games um, so far for Callum, who is 30 years of age. Um, So, yeah, it's natural. It's going to slow down. His influence, Jerry, his influence is unquestionable, isn't it, in this Celtic side? Yeah. And to think... And all those years ago when Scott Brown left, I was—I wasn't say I doubted him, but I wasn't—I wasn't sure about Callum McGregor being the captain. And how wrong was I? I didn't see it, but big boots to fill, huge boots to fill with Scott Brown, and boy has he done it and more. I just think he's an incredible player. He's like—I think he looks younger every year. Do you know, I think so. shape, you know, if you look at his shape, uh, I, I was looking at on the front cover of his uh, autobiography, and his shape has obviously changed like, in a big way. I think skills has this this season as well. Hatati's transformation physically since he signed um, is remarkable. And I've also noticed that we owe. I've noticed that we owe as well, Jerry. Um, when you compare the O that we bought to the, the shape of him now, there's obviously a regime... There's a regime at Celtic, and you can see them getting to that point where they are ultra, ultra fit. Mm-hmm. And spoke about it a lot. And then Brendan came in and said that he had to get them fitter. 
I don't know if that's just a management <laughs> thing. They come in and like, we need to get this squad fit. But I always thought that was Andrew's thing. Get them ultra fit. And then Brendan saying, no, we can take them to another level of fitness. It reminds me of the story that Charlie McGrew was telling you about a month ago when he, he had a thing with the, the woman in the canteen because they weren't mm. allowed sugar under Ronnie that's Dyler. Right. That's right. Yeah. And he used to get, say her name was, but Helen, he used to go, he said they've got Helen, there's a sugar. And she's like, no, you're not allowed. He's like, Helen, there's a sugar. She's like, in the top cupboard. So he would sneak Aye. in, get sugar for his tea and coffee. I know, I know. But they were weak under Ronnie Dyler, they said towards the end of it, <laughs> they felt tired at the end of the games and stuff like that. I'm energy going levels. Energy levels. That that's what Charlie said because I think people look at Charlie McGrew during that period and think there's this big beef between him and Ronnie, and and then you know there was a revolt around the whole senior thing. And, and I think a part of that did exist. It's something that Brendan had to deal with when he came to the club. And the guy that survived, of course, was Scott Brown. It took me back to a slightly different scenario. Uh, when Ferguson took over at Manchester United and there was a drinking culture at Man U at the time and the only guy that kind of survived that cull was Brian Robson. Brian Robson continued to be a very effective player and captain for um, Alex Ferguson. And when Rodgers came in, it wasn't the drinking culture as such. It was just, uh, you know, there was this talk around senior pros maybe no buying into Ronnie Dyla's philosophy. Mm. And um, Brown was the guy that survived. Commons didn't survive. Although he was still at Celtic, he never kicked the ball competitively mm-hmm. for Brennan Rodgers, Charlie McGrew. Um, actually, Charlie said that, though. He was offered a contract by Rodgers, so that kills a myth as well. He was offered a deal. He didn't take it. Um, he was hoping to negotiate it. There was no negotiation and he left the club. Um, by the way, St. Rock's reminding us two days, two days to go, folks. Um, and I just love the fact that people are talking about St. Rock's. And uh, St. Rock's, I think this is aimed at you, Jerry. You tell us nothing, son. Sit down. Hey, all capital letters as well. Come on Shout. now. Oh, this is fighting talk. This is fighting talk. <laughs> and we've got Felix asking how you can get a St. Rock's jersey. St. Rock's, hopefully, still in the chat, can come back and let you know. There's obviously a, a club shop at the stadium, um, and hopefully you can maybe uh, have a look at their socials, see if there's an online store as well, because I know the tickets were sold hard copy, old school, and they all sold out. So at this moment in time, we're looking at Greg Taylor, um, not playing against Spain. We know that Andy Robertson obviously suffered an injury. Sadly, will that take uh, Taylor closer to getting minutes in the, the next game? Ireland. We'll have a wee look at Ireland then because that brings us to a player you've already mentioned, Jerry Liam Scales, who is in the squad. Um, Stephen Kenny has selected both Scales and Mikey Johnson uh, for the two games that are coming up against Greece and Gibraltar. Now, Scales was given his under-21 debut by Stephen Kenny, who obviously knows the player. But he's been in five of his squads and he's never had a he's never had a game. He's never won a cap yet for um, Ireland. So I'd love to see him uh, winning that because you look at him and you, you sometimes forget he's the same age as Carter Vickers, Alan. Liam Scales. He's not a young kid. You know, he's he's 25 year old um, and he's hoping to win his first cap. Brennan Rogers said he's the biggest surprise of his coaching career. How surprised have you been, Alan? <laughs> yeah. It, no, it, but listen, all credit to the lad. I think um, for me, the most important way to sort of frame his performances is just to think about the context of the games that he's been asked to step into. You know, he's had to play in some of the hardest away games that Celtic have 
you know, Livingston uh, on an on, on form Motherwell at Ibrox, obviously. And he's had to play Champions League uh, matches. He's had different partners who are at different stages of fitness and experience alongside him. Um, and so, you know, I think all that, the fact that he's kind of stood up and he's performed uh, is admirable. And yeah, who would have thought it? I mean, really, it, it, before the season started, given the minutes that Iwata and Kobayashi had had last season, you would be thinking with the new recruits that Liam Scales was seventh, maybe even eighth choice as centre-half. <laughs> so it's quite remarkable to think that, you know, here he is uh, you know, holding down uh, a place uh, on, on merit, really, at this point in time. So super, super pleased for him. Um, doing what I do, this is a bit of a, this is where it becomes a bit of a poison chalice because obviously I try and analyse all performances, not just the highlight reels. And also, you know, there is an in, a brilliant irrationality to a lot of football supporting. So, you know, we all have our cult favourites. I'm sure I'm sure you can reel some off from years gone by. I think Enrico Anoni was one that I always remember from my, my childhood. <laughs> but yeah, like, why? Why? <laughs> but you know, but it just happened to be you know a real a real cult favourite. And we've had it. We've had it. And I call it like the Tony Ralston effect. I mean, everybody was super chuffed for Tony Ralston when he broke into the team, and he was really effective and so forth. My 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 rather dull job is to look at the performances, and I I think the worst the second worst pelters I ever got was when I actually said, "Yeah, he's been all right, Ralston, but he's much the same as John Joe Kenny," and that didn't go down well at all. But that's what the data, that's, that's, exactly that's what the data said. That's what, because it's emotional. You know, you associate John Joe Kenny with when Celtic were really struggling and playing badly. You associate Tony Ralston with you know your own. You know, it's almost like your own son breaking into the team. You know, he's a Celtic boy through and through, and you have all that emotional attachment to it and he seems such an unlikely kind of guy to get into the team because he's you know he's wee and stocky and doesn't look like much like it's more like a, a wrestler than a footballer sort of thing so you're everyone's kind of thrilled for him so unfortunately the, the stats don't care about any of any of that they just look at the performance and uh, with scales I think you know there's definitely some some real highlights in there I think his distribution is great I think the way that he's kept the game really simple uh, is good um, and you know, uh, but he's he's got a little bit of the Starfelt cinema. What I mean by that is, is he he tries to win challenges that he's he's never going to win it, and he, he's a bit over enthusiastic, or I say over over optimistic, which I don't like in a defender. I like defenders mm. to be pessimistic and always expect the worst to happen. Uh, Scales is a wee bit over optimistic in some of his challenging, um, and I think, uh, but I think overall, listen, I don't want to be churlish about it. I think it's great. It's a great success story, and it'll be fascinating to see once all the other centre backs kind of come back into fitness as to as to how it pans out and how how he how his career goes from here. Exactly, because he was completely out of the picture. I mean, when you look at that list, if you're if you're putting a Wata into the the group of centre backs, Alan, we do have eight, and um, where was he seventh or eighth? I mean, that's that's fair at the beginning of the season. That's, I think, where he was sitting. The fact that he is a first pick, even when Cat Vickers comes back and we've got other centre-halves available like Nat Phillips, Gustav, Lagerbiel, and he's, and he's getting a game, I think, is sensational for him. I will be very interested to see the chart and the, the data that you spoke about many moons ago when we were talking about Chris Ayer. You know, and you were saying this is where he charts when we talk about Denier, Van Dijk and all the different centre-halves. Once the data's there, I would love to see where Scales is sitting in that that particular chart um, as well. We do love a success story, Jerry, and it's also the reason why we hate VAR, because it's all about emotion. 
football, watching football, I'm delighted. I'm so happy that people like Alan um, are, are recording the data because I think when you look at that raw data and you look at what you've seen and your emotional attachment to players or this, this attachment to players, you can then come to some kind of conclusion based on both sets, right? And you can back up your thoughts often by looking at, at the data um, as well. But one thing about VAR, because again, it's fresh in the mind and it seems to always be at this moment in time, it's just the spontaneity, you know, the, the removal of that joyous um, burst of emotion when we score a goal. That's why you watch football. You watch football to be entertained. You watch football for the emotional elements of scoring and, you know, it's constantly second guessing whether or not it's going to be a goal and it's it's squeezing a lot of the fun and the emotion out of the game, Jerry. And that's that's why we watch football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it should generally be an NHS thing, warning that it should be banned because this can't be good for anyone's health. You think about it, right, genuinely. See the chemicals that you release in your body for that euphoria, for then the shock to kick in so quickly after it. It's no good for anyone. Now you tell me, right, if VAR wasn't there, that anyone, not one Spanish player or fan thought that a free kick from there would ever, ever be checked for VAR or for any reason whatsoever, right? The keeper was never going to get to that, right? Whether it was in a, a stepladder or anything like that, he was, he was never getting it. It's absolutely sucked the life out of it, and I'm, I'm against it now. And I always knew it would take a couple of decisions to go against the teams I was supporting for me to do it. But I've given it a long time, and I genuinely just, it doesn't work. It's adding extra time to the game. I think more injuries are getting picked up as well because of the extra time that they're playing. Uh, if you look back at that, me. Yeah, if you look back to when VAR came in, we've, I think there's been, maybe no, well, definitely with us, but it's just not good for the game. It's really not. And I, I, I've done a U-turn because I was all for VAR and now I've seen it in place. It's, it seems to be different systems for every single club. Like what computer system they use, whatever. It shouldn't be that. It should be, there should be one system that everyone uses and then there can't be any uh, discussion over whether it's because of that or this. I absolutely hate it. It needs to go. Can I just say something on Ralston as well, the way we're talking about him? What I love about him is that when you think about the iconic things with Celtic, you've got Tony Watt scores against Barcelona, Scott McDonald against AC Milan, but it's it's him against Ross County. Mm-hmm. That's what I we'll always remember about him, because that was such an important goal Huge. to get. That's that's where he become cult hero for me as well. But uh, I, I Val needs to go. I'm puffed out with it. Listen, Celtic by Numbers uh, site, Alan, which is how I, I came to know about your work and, and got to know you um, all those years ago. You, you've been running an ongoing thing around referees and poor decisions in Scottish football. And I'm looking forward to you going uh, back to the 100 greatest goals of all time and then running them through VAR. How many of them would actually be chopped off? Oh, how, much, how much history would be lost because of VAR? Mate, that's top quality content. Yep. Uh, the, the 19, yeah, the nineteen sixty six World Cup final for a start. We'd all be quite happy. We'd all be quite happy with that, wouldn't we? Um, oh. Yeah. No. Listen, it's 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 actually added a, a new dimension. I think. I think. Listen, refereeing is incredibly loaded conversation, especially when you're talking about Scotland, right? We we all know what the cultural um, 
constraints are, let's call them that, under which Scottish football operates and how the SFA operate and, and how that doesn't do, you know, especially Celtic any good. And But really what, what we're trying to do is remove all of that and just look at the actual performance. And, you know, this the, the Yorkshire Whistler series has been running for t- two, two and a bit seasons now. And over both of those seasons um, where Champions League money direct entry has been the carrot at the end of the season, there's, there's you know, there's, there's an emerging pattern that, you know, that, 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 that the on balance um, errors seem to favour you know one side at the top more more than the other, and none of us are particularly surprised about that. I think if you take a step back from this, this, this sort of rather sort of toxic, loaded Scottish context, and just think of VAR as a whole, I'm 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 all for it. You would probably not, not surprised to hear that anything that helps uh, officials is a good thing. I think we all feel that it's better to get things right, even though I take Jerry's point about, you know, I, I was the same. I was up in the pub last night and then it's like an r- absolute downer. Palmer's goal was even worse because, because know. you know, Scotland are probably going to qualify anyway. But to actually, you know, to win a Champions League game at home, 10 years have been waiting for that. That was that was so cruel. Um, but you want them to get the decisions right and if the technology helps them, then then, then that's, uh, you know, that's great. So I'm, I'm kind of all for it. It's all, it's all in the implementation. It introduces another set of potential problems, which is the people using it and the consistency. But, you know, in some ways, it can actually add to the drama. It can add to the whole theatre of it. I mean, and, you know, I'm, I'm a great fan of the way rugby, I know rugby union is a different sport, it's more stop-start, but the way that they have implemented it for, for years, absolutely years, is sensational in terms of the communication, the explanation from the officials. There's lots of things that, I know it's a different game, but there's a lot of things that football could still improve. That whole conversation being available to everybody is is, is uh, would be would be a start, right? Um and you know they, they they try and get to to the right to the right they still get it wrong right <laughs> but that's humans I mean we are all humans and we're never going to get it get it right but I do I do think it's something that we should be supporting and actually it has helped in in some inadvertent ways if we think back to the Jota goal at Motherwell last season it's actually revealed something that people probably didn't want to have revealed so it's actually quite useful in that sense as well yeah I, sorry, sorry Jerry on you go mate do you not miss it though. Like, see when you used to get away with one, like we we're even you, we shouldn't have got that goal, going into your work and seeing one of your pals and going, I knew that we shouldn't have got it, but and you, it would wind them up even more, you know, and obviously it would work back at us as well, but I, I don't know. I'll change my mind every week on this. You must be, you must be older people. than you look. You must be older than you look, Jerry. Going into your work after Celtic got away with one. What was that? Nineteen seventy-six <laughs> or something like that. I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, <laughs> Xander Mac. I'm putting a tenner on Jerry to get sent off. Halves of you do, Jerry. All right. Um, I, I would never suggest such a, a heinous act. Saint Rocks are, are confirming that there is a link on the Twitter bio and on that link um, also on that subject I've been sent an amazing picture of a commemorative crest you know a pin badge and it's got the crests of Celtic the Jimmy Johnson Academy Axom and St Rocks four crests one badge absolutely stunning only a hundred made um, at this moment in time so limited edition there's going to be loads of that kind of stuff available at the game as well Paul DB as a pure banger get it up he says <laughs> Paul um there we go. A big mistake not getting hickey, says Michael Ross. I remember at the time talking about it. I, w- I wouldn't mind going back to those shows talking about hickey. And it did. It came down to the wages. The wages that the Italian club were prepared to pay against what we were going to 
BPN. Celtic then got a kickback on the deal because he had written it into the contract when he left Celtic for Hearts. I think Celtic made 300 grand at the deal. Uh, but look at him now. If he leaves Brentford, what is the transfer fee? But I'll go back to what I say. Um, I think players have to leave sometimes to to make it happen. And, and you know, sometimes the um, the development of that player relies on them going abroad or going down south. Uh, not always. Um, Ferguson is now the captain at Bologna, says Jean-Paul II. Um, he, he divided opinion. I get And I get why. I was just sick, Alan, of him scoring against Celtic. I was like, you know what? Let's just sign him. Penalty. Sick of him scoring constantly. And me and Colin Watt... What was that, Jerry? Did Strachan not say there was a player that he signed because he was just sick of him playing so well against us, so he just signed him? Probably Derek Riordan. Aye, uh, stuck him on a bench. Or Barry Robson, maybe? Barry Robson. There was a few domestic players, wasn't there? That, and they'd done really, really well. Uh, Brown Warrior Ferguson would have added some bite in the midfield. Uh, Brian Lennon. Good afternoon, my fellow Celts. Two days in a row listening in live. Very rare for me. Well, Brian, it's great to have you on board um, Stevie Kenny, this is talking about the leagues Alan mentioned the fact we've got too many leagues two leagues 18 then the rest I do think we need two top leagues I don't know what size they would be um, and the rest could be regionalised with obviously there's still a pyramid and you still get into the second tier etc but the regionalisation of the leagues I know that a lot of clubs actually um, really struggle to pay the uh, travel for example to go and play away games and stuff like that when it gets lower down Stevie's still in here Ferguson the same as Turnbull that's not a slagging, by the way. I think Turnbull could end up going to Italy, but we'll wait and see. The other player, of course, who is in the Ireland squad is Mikey Johnson. Mikey has not kicked a, a football uh, competitively for Celtic this season, but he has been playing for Stephen Kenny's Ireland team. So let's see if he can... Yeah, obviously, he, he started off in the under underage football with Scotland, um, but let's see if he can get some game time for... Stephen Kenny's side. Another interesting one I felt was Gustav Lagerbjelk, Jerry, who was playing for Sweden in a friendly against Moldova. He scored the second goal in a 3-1 victory um, as former Celt Carl Starfelt was watching from the bench. Now, he's been left out as Lagerbjelk, so I'm trying to pull positives from the international uh, break. He's been left out of the Celtic team. It will if nothing else, give him a confidence boost. The fact that he's gone over, um, played with his country, scored a goal, Jerry. Because, you know, I think he'd done pretty well. I'm, I'm going to be interested to hear your thoughts. I thought he'd done pretty well when he when he started for Celtic. I, I've had no complaints about him at all. It was the same when Nerovsky, when he was coming in. I thought, like a belk, I'm not sure if he was brought in as a, I'm going to say the P word here, prospect or if he was to come straight in. But I think, obviously, with the former skills, it's going to take an injury or a f- couple of mistakes. Hopefully none of them happen for Lagerbelt to push back in. But we all know how this game goes. I mean, once we've got all our centre-backs fit, is Brendan Rodgers, for all skills, skills is brilliant. He's great, and there's no reason to drop him or Carter Vickers. But is Rodgers going to look at them in training and... and knowing that maybe Narovsky is an all-round better player, who knows, and then slowly filter him back in so it doesn't look as cutthroat as just pulling scales out. It's football. At the end of the day, Rodgers is going to win his best 11 playing every single week. I'm I'm worried that the pressure's on scales, that he has to perform in every single game where he's going to lose that place, especially with all these players slowly coming back in now. Um, but like you said, Paul John, I think uh, Phillips will be away in January. 
as well. I don't see that that loan uh, getting any longer. But I think we're in a great position when it comes to it. And Lagerby, I really did like him. I thought he looked a bit small at first, but he's, he doesn't play. Like, he's, he's smaller than the rest of them. And the way he got up for that header yesterday, it was an absolute peach, I thought. It's quite. It's, it's a really strange one. I've never found us in this position. Not in a long, long time. We're usually crying out for centre backs, and now it's we're spoilt for choice. I know. It's a great headache to have. It is. Uh, back in the not the view days, it was. Uh, does he play left back? Uh, because we were always struggling for decent <laughs> left back. That, that was always the the chat. Um, what's your take on it, Alan? Because I mean, at the moment, in essence, Scales is keeping out a three million pound centre half in Lagerbjelk. Um, and Lagerbjelk's not even the the kind of second choice. He's not even the backup because Nat Phillips seems to have uh, leapfrogged him. Uh, I found Maurice Yancey's comments quite interesting during the week as well because obviously he seemed pretty happy at Celtic, but his loan deal was cut short, and we opted to go for Kobayashi as well. Um, what's, what's your take been on, on Lagerbjelk since he's came in, Alan? So I thought he was injured. That's why he's not in the team currently. I thought he picked up an injury. Yeah, I might be wrong, but uh, and and I'll, I'll maybe maybe I made that up. <laughs> maybe I read it somewhere. But I thought he was injured anyway. Um, yeah. So listen it again. Sense. Yeah, it would make more sense actually, Alan, if he was injured. To be fair. You think so? Not not enough minutes yet, obviously. And as I say, especially with the centre half, you have to settle. You need need to form partnership. A lot of what you do is influenced by those that you're playing around as well. And as we know, it's been a bit uh, interchangeable at the start of the season. Um, what do I think of him? I mean, he's, he's kind of, his special skill, his kind of super strength, if you like, is uh, was his long passing. I don't think we've seen that much yet. Um, the other side of it is, is actually his short passing is a bit, a bit flaky. I think we have seen that. Um, again, a little bit of the, the star felts and that he's a, a, quite a front foot aggressive sort of defender, which again isn't, and this is my bias, it's my personal bias, it's not my favourite style of defending, but um, he's got he's got that about him. He's actually, thus far, very small sample. His, his kind of, I do a couple of aggregated defensive metrics, which, you know, whether you like them or you don't, you know, if you go all the way back to you know the, the Van Dyke days, they tend to they tend to meet the eye test, and and actually so far his his numbers are probably better than Scales is in that respect. I think my, my, the way I would characterise it is that Lagerbjerg has been a little bit error prone, and quite a few of his errors have been punished in some sort of visible way. Whereas with Scales, he's most apart from that goal at Motherwell, he's mainly got away with it. And therefore, you know, his, his errors haven't sort of manifest themselves into things that people remember so much. I think there's that, and that has a huge impact on on perception. You know, scales. You know, the first minute at Ibrox, where he, he rushes out to challenge somebody on the touchline and loses the header, and and Dessas is in. And the only reason that Dessas is offside is because scales his hair is, is run out of position to make a challenge he could never win. And so we got away with that. Um, you know, if that gone, if that had been a legitimate goal, then you know a very different perception would have, would have formed. So I think he's actually performed quite similarly to Scales overall. Um, um, he doesn't have that emotional attachment because he's not he's not sort of seen as one of one of our own type of thing. Um, but it's, it's you know boringly, I have to say, it's kind of too early to say. Really, he's just 530 minutes he's played so far, so that's not really enough to to, to form a definitive um, conclusion. But He's probably a little bit more mobile, I suppose, as well, which I do like in a centre half, uh, as well. So, um, sorry, but I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to prevaricate on that one <laughs> until they've got no. more data. I, I, until I love that. 
Sorry, Jerry, you've slowed down all of a sudden just as you were going to come in with a poignant point. Sorry, are you back? Are you back? Did I freeze there? You did. You froze just for a moment, just at the vital moment, actually. You're back. No, I've it. All right. No, you're just freezing. I'm fine here on my screen, so that's all right. I was just cutting and say, I love listening to all that, mate. Like, so see out all the centre-backs we've got, out all the game time they've played this season. I know it's all been different. Can you work out like an average of who's got the best stats out of every single one of them? Who has that? Yeah, it's, listen, it's a, multi, it's a multi-faceted thing, right? I mean, so I look at, a break, I look at overall defensive actions. So just, just looking at the defensive actions, so challenges, interceptions, and what have you. And that's the kind of metrics I was alluding to. That's the kind of bread and butter, if you like. Then you look at things like distribution, and that's got many. That's got multiple data points to it. And then you'd look at things like, um, you know, uh, sort of error rates and impacts of errors and all that sort of thing. I mean, the one the one thing that isn't so easy to do, but is in you can infer, are, are, are the are the tricky things like you know positioning because defending is not easy to measure with stats because it's mainly about positioning and it's mainly about of things that don't happen. Right, and it's very difficult to measure things that don't happen. <laughs> uh, so it's it's the avoidance of 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 uh, of things. It's the avoidance of of shots from your side. It's the avoidance of getting crosses in from that part of the pitch. It's the avoidance of errors from that part of the pitch. That's 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 the essence of good defending is that you you know you you avoid these things. And that's tricky from a data perspective because it tends to be on ball stuff that is easy to measure. So uh, listen, I think anybody who does this sort of thing will tell you defensive. Defensive metrics are tricky, and so they always have to be taken with um, a little bit of a pinch of salt and contextualised. But there's multiple layers to the analysis, and when when all these guys have played over 900 minutes, I'll I'll, I'll have a go at it and come and report back to you. <laughs> yeah, and then you then you look at partnerships, then you look at how do they perform with X, Y, or Z? Does their performance levels improve? Do they, you know? So there's so much things to consider. I I find it intriguing as well, Jerry. I've got to say, and um, you know, right right back in the day where it was uh, a Celtic stat of mind that we used to do, Alan. I always went away. <laughs> Honestly, I always went away thinking, right, okay, I get it, and that wasn't the way I was thinking going into the conversation. Um, so I I find it intriguing. Uh, Mikey Moynihan, where is the game on Sunday getting shown? Right, so Axom's going to stream it live, uh, Mikey, and we're going to stream it live on all our platforms. So mainly YouTube. That's where most of the audience goes to watch these things. And you can get involved in the comments on just about all of them. But as I can see on the, the avatars, most people comment on YouTube. So get subscribing on there. You don't have to subscribe, but if you do, you can hit the notifications bell and it'll tell you when we're live. We'll also be on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitch, and on Twitter. Um, so we're trying to cover as many live bases as possible. We've got a commentary team, which is James McKenzie and JP Mason on the gantry. I'm hoping that it stays dry and it's not too windy. And uh, we've got a cameraman up there as well. So we'll be streaming it like we're streaming right now, but it'll be the live game on the full screen. Jerry, you're itching to say something. No, it's just my nerves kicking in. What are you talking about? <laughs> then you're talking about uh, JP, James, JP, James, be nice, be kind, right? Now, if, for folk that are just listening and can't watch the game, if I'm playing rubbish, just tell them I'm playing great. Absolutely. And they two guys will be absolutely kind because they're just good people. AJSC, yeah. I think you're talking about uh, the comment that Jerry was speaking about with Gordon Strachan. It was Paul Hartley. It was, it was Paul Hartley. Paul Hartley. I love that story Paul Hartley tells about telling his brother. Do you know this one? Yeah. So obviously his family are big Celtic fans, but all the rumour was that Hartley was going to Rangers. 
Mm. So he's texted his brother and said, he's phoned his brother and says, eh, I'm leaving Hearts. And he says, don't ever speak to me again. Don't, don't phone me. Don't end. You're dead to me, basically. And he went, I've signed for Celtic. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then they had a big party. <laughs> you're back in. You're back in the fold, right. Paul. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> when you look at, remember the Rickerton three? It was Paul Hartley, Craig Gordon, and Stephen Presley. Remember, they wow. went on strike. Did they go on strike? And it was during the, uh, yeah. the crazy days of Romanov and all that. They all ended up at Celtic. That, that's right. It was because they weren't get. Was it because they weren't getting paid? I think was it. They weren't getting paid. They weren't getting that's paid. Right. Yeah, yeah, conference yeah, yeah. them an emergency yeah. press conference and basically outed them. Aye. Oh, that was exciting time. I forgot about that. The Rickerton three and Celtic ended up signing all three of them in the fullness of time. Robert Highland was Hickey not an academy player. He certainly was, and uh, but Celtic did write in to his contract that we got a percentage of the deal, which uh, I think worked out about 300 grand when he left Hearts. He's worth a few sorry, quid uh, more than that now. Right. Sorry, Paul. Uh, there's a, there's, I'm not sure if Celtic wrote it in. There's, a, there's, an, there's an international, or I think it's a FIFA rule, that any whenever a player gets transferred, there's a fraction of the money filters down to all mm. the way down the pyramid to every club that they played for on their journey. So, so, so their youth club, you know, their, 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 their whoever, wherever they were at, at an academy. So every time, basically, every time Aaron Hickey moves now, there's a f- small percentage of that money will go to Celtic. Oh, that's a good. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! And we should start that up yeah. with all the people that are flying the nest for all the big mainstream companies out there as well. Axon need to get on that ladder. Where's my two or three hundred quid for all these people that have been flying the nest? I'm only kidding. I love to see them doing well. Uh, St. Rocks Juniors bring cash, no card machines, folks. Plenty of That's stuff on the on the day will be a great day. Yeah, just stick to the dough. Stick to the dough, the old-fashioned way. No, Robert Arbuckle. Kyogo <laughs> has just come in for the la- so Kyogo's on the park. Let us know how he got on. Um, and Danny boy, this Axon forum has turned into breaking back. That's a good thing, is it not? How how come? Who am I? I don't know. I sure. don't know. But anything no. breaking bad is good, right? If you ask me. Um, Spoilers, they all die. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but but then you can watch better call better call Saul better call Saul afterwards. Um, Right, before we move on actually to the next uh, clutch of players, we've obviously only got eight minutes to go. Um, I want to say, I want to share something about Stephen Kenny, right? I know that he's done brilliantly uh, in getting the, the top job for the Ireland team. Um, he done really well at under-21s. He kind of uh, knew that he was going to be stepping up and he had a great reputation in Ireland, but a not-so-great reputation in Scotland for his time that, that he was at Dunfermline. And I've got to share this with you, right? So I've interviewed a lot of guys up at Dunfermline and um, <laughs> they were telling me that he was very, he had very unusual tendencies when he was the manager at East End Park um, and he had like proper OCD and stuff like that as well. So when he was given a team talk, right, in the dressing room, nothing could be on the floor. So you had to clear the floor, like physically, like, there could be none. And I was getting told by a player who will be uh, remaining unnamed. He was like, so obviously you're talking like a changing room is normally a pigsty. You know, footballers are not picking anything up. There's tape lying about. So every time he would turn his back, somebody would like strategically place something. And then by the time he's, he's, he's tidied up five or six times, the team talk was over. But even more strange than that, Jerry, right? They used to train, I don't know if they still do, a massive big place called Petrivi Plain Parks in Dunfermline, right? And, you know, it's huge. And on a Sunday, there's like 1,500 kids playing football down there. Uh, it's a brilliant facility. 
And he only ever done his team talks when they were outside under a tree, right? So he did it, right? So he would say to the guy, right, guys, let's go. And he would go under this tree and he would, like, give them all, all the all the gen and all this kind of stuff. And eventually, like, somebody was like, Gaffer, I'm not being funny, but we've just walked, like, 200 yards to this tree. What, what's with the tree? And he was convinced that uh, the retention of information was better if you were standing under a tree. That was one of these things. That was one of his quirks. Alan, is this true? Are you better to give somebody information whilst under a tree? Something to do with the oxygen levels? Serious? <laughs> this is. I know it's, th- it's worth a study. I think I'll leave that to somebody else. Yeah, he did get them to a cup final, and um, that much is true. But he was uh, widely regarded as a flop, and these were some of the quirks. But the thing is, though, we're going back to Ronnie Dyler, right? I'm not saying Ronnie used to like giving his team talks under trees, but it's about getting the buy-in of the manager. Joe Venglos used to do things that are now just normal, you know, the ice bath thing and all that. But when he was trying to introduce it, there was loads of resistance by the players. They're like, what are you doing, Gaffer? And it was the same with Ronnie Dyler. And it was the same with Stephen Kenny. So uh, I'm all for speaking underneath the shadow of a tree. USA, <laughs> Cameron Carter-Vickers, obviously just returned to the Celtic starting lineup. He's in for the, uh, he's got 12 caps. He's in for the next two games that America um, are playing as well. Um, and I think that, when you look at his return to the side, it's something we've really been waiting for, Alan, this this rock. Now, you do have data on Cameron Carter-Vickers. Where does he sit in the in the, the list, if you like, of you know the, the defenders since you started collating that data? Yeah, I mean, right, right at the top, you know, in, in the sort of, you know, Van Dyke, uh, Benkovic, can you believe in his short time here, was was up there. Don't know if, oh, so it's a sad loss his career seems to have turned out to be. But yeah, right, right at the top. And, as I said, the thing I always come back to with Carter Vickers, and we and we, we touched on this earlier about centre halves, and we touched upon Liam Scales playing with a, a a revolving door of different partners, um, and and then that you know how can you judge a player until he, he's, he's had a, an established run with an established sort of set settled defence. The thing that always stands out about Carter Vickers is although he played a lot of games with Starfelt, there were periods, especially in um, Ange's first season where there, there wasn't a settled partnership in defence and there were was a revolving door of players. And is the fact that it didn't matter who you were playing, it didn't matter who he was playing with, Carter Vickers' performance was always consistent. And that, that was the thing that stood out about him in the data, that level of consistency, um, irrespective of the context, and irrespective of the condition. Um, you know, it was a real shame on last week gone that it was his error that led to Lazio's goal. I mean, that's so uncharacteristic. But, I mean, I thought it was a bit surprising, honestly, to throw him in after 60 minutes in a Champions League game. Maybe Phillips, maybe Phillips's legs were going fair enough. It looked like a sort of pre-planned thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's easy in retrospect and hindsight to look back and say, "Well, that was a mistake," type of thing. But anyway, listen, that's not how we will remember him. Uh, I think once he gets back up to uh, up to speed, uh, Carter Vickers, you know, he, he makes a huge difference to Celtic's defence. He just settles everybody's down. He's so calm. He's he's the completely he's he's exactly what I want in a centre back. He doesn't fly into tackles. He doesn't try and win balls. He can't win. He's uncomplicated. He simplifies the game. His positioning's good. He, he wins the ball simply by being in the right place and just by adjusting his body and kind of easing players out of the way. He doesn't have to smash into people. All the things I like about in a defender, uncomplicated, he makes the game simple. So, yeah, he makes a huge difference to Celtic, absolutely, when he's back. So hopefully he'll get, get back fit soon. 
Yeah, without a doubt. And again, when you're looking at the the stats, Jerry, to hear that Carter Vickers is right up there. When you look at some of the guys that are in the the reckoning here, Chris Ayer, I loved Chris Ayer, Jason Denier, uh, Virgil Van Dyke, Philip Benkovic, uh, Jojo Simunovic, uh, Julien, Chris Julien, of course, will be in there. Um, and you're looking at Carter Vickers. The guy is an absolute rock in the Celtic defence, isn't he? He's a unit. Would you put Boyata in there? I liked Boyata. Where, where, where did he ah, land? Just a, I mean, there's, there's this kind of, let's call it a middle class of centre-backs that are kind of, they're okay. And that would be where you, your Simunoviches, your Boyatas, and that would, would kind of live live in the, in that sort of world. They weren't exceptional, but they were they were competent, let's say. They were they were decent. They were good. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. not 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 the level I think we need. We need Carter Vickers' level to be have a chance of getting any points at Champions League level. I yeah, I forgot he was American until <laughs> you said it there. I totally forgot it was the USA that he played with. Yeah, aye. So he's got 12 caps. Um, and when we look at uh, some of the comments coming through here as well, Stevie Boy, we're talking about where you appear on your podcast. Um, fill us in. Alan, where is it you give us all your, your data on a regular basis? Yeah, so Celtic by Numbers is a is my blog and obviously Twitter account uh, where I sometimes dish, dish some stats out and so forth. Uh, in terms of podcast, it's um, the Huddle Breakdown. So you know, have, have a look for the Huddle Breakdown again on Twitter, but also on YouTube and wherever it is you consume your pods. Yeah, definitely. Tony Cassidy is coming in on the Breaking Bad vibe, saying that Alan is Walter White <laughs> and that Jerry is Jesse. By the way, that's not a bad one. Like, I don't know who one. I am. Who am I? Come on. Before we finish, I need to know, am I Hector Salamanca? Who am I? Um, and obviously, there are other Sorry, Paul. I don't want to be mean, but I saw some of these comments saying that you were Walter's wife. <laughs> <laughs> What was her name again? She annoyed the life out of me. She absolutely annoyed the life out of me. That's it. Oh, cheers, guys. I'm always always likened (laughs) to the female. Always a woman. It's Leanne Dempster. It's Katie Lang. This is the the latest one. Thank you all very much for that. Um, Obviously, Alistair Johnson started for Canada today. Louis Palmas... Hopefully going to get a couple of games for Honduras. They're playing in the CONCACAF uh, Nations League doubleheader against Cuba. And of course, we know that Kyogo came on. Rio Atati was also on the bench for Japan. Oh, it may get a a start for South Korea. Um, He needs to really kickstart his season off. He's got five international caps, but he has only played 81 minutes of football this season under Brendan. And then we've got a couple of under-21s. Paulo Bernardo, he's got 18 Portugal under-21 caps, five goals to his name. And Odin Thiago Home actually was playing last night for Norway against Austria, played 64 minutes of that game as well. And hopefully they all come back without an injury. That's always the absolute priority. Um, hopefully when Jerry comes back onto Axon, he as well has no injuries. Jerry, give me one last thought for Sunday because you've not given me a prediction yet. Give me a prediction for Sunday's game. Oh, prediction. Prediction time. Here we go. Oh, you know what happens when I make predictions though, right? But I'm, I'm confident in this one. My prediction is first and foremost, the most important thing is um, a great occasion to raise awareness, to raise money, uh, for great causes, for a great club. There's been a lot of banter, but I'm a, I'll be a St Rocks fan after this. I've got a St Rocks tattoo now. That's there for life, so they're not going to be able to get rid of me. It's going to be a great event. I'm really, really nervous for it. I, I, I really believe that we're going to win 7-1. I'm oh, I love it. I love it. 7-1 in the sun. 
a great day all round. I'm I'm definitely going to play really well. St Rocks are going to uh, have a lot of apologies to make uh, next week. But anyone that's watching, enjoy yourself. Be safe out there. Uh, watch out for my goal kicks because they can go anywhere. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, it's going to be a great occasion, like you say, Jerry. I was just having a laugh at some of the uh, comparisons I'm getting on the uh, I'm getting on the comments here. Listen, keep them coming. I don't mind a doppelganger. I do not mind a doppelganger. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. If you want to tune in on Sunday, it's the first time we've ever live-streamed a game. Um, so Axom have got the rights to that game. I don't know how much we paid for them, but we are going to be streaming them. We're going to be streaming the game with a commentary team. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that works out because, you know what, if it does work out, we could maybe do it more often um, because I think it's a good way of generating a bit of interest, generating a bit of cash for charity. And if we can do a live stream, obviously it's free charge on Sunday. Just subscribe to the channel and enjoy it. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Thank you to Jerry Taylor and to Alan Morrison for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.